to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The surgery is it's not seen as medical. It's seen as cosmetic. So wow. it's not it's not covered. Wow. It's not covered. So if you are trans and you are literally your dysphoria around your genitalia is so bad. If it's so bad and then you have to live with that and potentially be suicidal. Welcome to the deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Today I speak to Grace Highland, a trans woman who you may have seen go viral on Instagram stories or TikTok. I've been following Grace for a while and I am a fan. Grace is articulate, smart and so glamorous. Today we talk about it all, from how knowing she was trans as young as four, her reassignment surgery, dating and how it is being a trans woman in 2021. Grace Highland, welcome to The Deep. Thank you for having me. I am a bit of a fangirl. Um, I just want to put it out there. I have been following you for quite some time. like, I, And just watching, because I'm not on TikTok, but watching Instagram, like your Instagram just grow <laughs> month by month over this time that I've been following you has been quite almost a shock, would you say? Definitely. And it's all happened so fast. Um, I just feel as though since I started to take my content to reels, it's just blown up. And I'm just so thankful that I can share my story on multiple platforms now. Like I said, I was following you for a long time and I wanted to get you on the deep earlier because we generally don't have anyone that's got much of a profile you know everyone's kind of untouched that we have on here but by the time I had the baby and got you on you you're everywhere like you're doing podcasts you're doing the project you're like everywhere does it feel like is it getting more comfortable talking about trans rights talking about your experience absolutely there was a time in my life that high school era because I transitioned when I was 12 so through high school I was very ashamed to be trans I tried to pass off to the best of my ability as just a girl who was born assigned female at birth and 
I didn't take pride in the fact that I was trans. I didn't have any trans friends. I wasn't telling my story. But when it was something I always knew that I wanted to do, but I didn't have, I guess, the the self-esteem and the self-assurance enough to take that step. Mm. But once I started to, on social media in the beginning of the pandemic, because there was nothing else for me to do, I wanted to use all of that extra free time that I was given to achieve something. And I thought, okay, what a better way to finally share my story. And I'm in lockdown anyway. So if anyone has stuff to say, then I'm not going to see them. So I just went with it. And then it grew into this beautiful family of supporters, which have made it so rewarding. And I would never even think question whether this was the right thing to do, because I wholeheartedly believe that this is the best thing I've ever done. And for those people that, because really I'm wanting to talk to them today if they don't understand what a trans person is, if they don't, if they think it's a choice. So we've got a lot to unpack here. But yeah. when did you realise that you were assigned the wrong sex or that you were born the wrong sex? Yes. So it's a tricky one because they say that in children, children develop a concept of gender identity, a difference between male and female, boy and girl, etc. at around the age of four or five. That's when the brain starts to develop enough to when they can comprehend that. And I would definitely say that around that time is when I realized that I was different. You know, I have early memories of being in kinder and gravitating towards the girls' dress-ups and just thinking that I was one of the girls. But then that wasn't normal behaviour in comparison to everyone else and people were reacting to it accordingly. So then that's when I started to realise, oh, I'm different from everyone else. And then growing up as a child through primary school, it just gradually that divide between me and the other boys just became even more apparent. And I knew that I was different and I knew that I was a girl inside, but I didn't have a word for it. The mm. only place I'd seen trans was on crime shows, Jerry Springer as the butt of a joke, not in a positive light. So I'm like, oh, well, that's not me. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's why I'm so passionate about spreading trans awareness and providing trans representation because there isn't enough. And it was when I was 12 and I actually watched a document, a documentary on a young trans girl who was transitioning in a, and it was shown in a positive light when I realized, Oh, I'm a trans woman. Transitioning is a thing that I can do and mm. I can live a happy life as myself. And that's when that journey really began. Because that feels like a heartbreaking thing to have your realisation as a four-year-old all the way till you're 12, eight years of almost being misplaced, you know, and not knowing where you fit or, or not feeling like yourself. Was there a sense of hopelessness? Like how do I get out of this kind of labyrinth? To go through that as a child was just really hard because I've grown up with a lot of support around me and 
I was for I'm fortunate enough fortunate enough to have my sister who had dress ups and dolls and I could just be myself around and I would express my femininity and my true I guess feelings around her even though I didn't have a word for it I could just be but then I would go to school and it would be a whole nother story and Mm. it was just this feeling of I'm different I'm weird I'm just gonna have to change you know one day I'm gonna have to grow up and I'm just gonna have to be a man and I'm just gonna have to let go of my femininity and I'm just gonna have a life of unhappiness and as a child I didn't have any sense of pride. I didn't have dreams. I didn't have ambition. I didn't have goals. I didn't fit in. I just, there was almost a sense of recklessness because, I mean, this wasn't my life, so I didn't care. Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm. I think because I've been brought up very open-minded and it, it just, as a, I'm a mum now, just would break my heart knowing. I guess there wasn't even earlier intervention, like, mm-hmm. and and I don't. There's no one at fault there, but like, do you think at times people in your life just didn't want to acknowledge, or were you just not letting them know? combination of both I never felt safe to talk about it to acknowledge the fact that it was a thing Mm -hmm. I just wanted to live and then you know just be normal I didn't want to make it this thing that I feel as though I'm a girl and I just wanted to be me and I think it was hard because people around me didn't know what it was either that there was no that I'm aware of or that my family was aware of. There was no positive blueprint for being trans at that time. I mean, this was before 2010, 2012. Um, There really wasn't much in the way of awareness. Yeah. You feel a connection to this documentary at 12. Yes. And you then have a conversation with your family. How does that go down? I see the documentary. I realize instantly that I'm trans and I fell into this online community of trans women sharing their story on YouTube. So for the first time I had access to positive, real and raw representations of what it means to be trans and the journey of older trans women paving the way for me and I kept that information in for months that I was trans and that I wanted to medically and socially transition and become grace and it started with friends because I was so lucky to be in a performing arts program at school from the age of 12 to 15 so I had one class all the way through and we were a family so I could trust my friends with that information. Mm. And that lifted a weight off of my shoulders being able to tell them. But as a 12-year-old, you can't get the ball rolling without your parents behind you. So it took a massive toll on me knowing that there was something that I wanted to say but being petrified of how they would react because not only did I have a positive representation of trans women, Back then, 
their lives were so hard. So knowing what they were going through, I was expecting the worst reactions. Mm. Is your relationship with your parents healthy? Like, has it always been balanced? It's a beautiful one. It's complex and it's been through its ups and downs, but ultimately I'm very, very supported. And my stepmom, which was the first one I told, was instantly supportive. She is really just that nurturing mother figure who just knows when her child isn't right. So she just knew that there was something on my mind. She just said to me, we're in the car one day about to pick up my sister. And she's like, we're not leaving this car until you tell me what's going on. Mm. And then after a good hour of umming and ahhing, I wrote down, I'm transgender on a post-it note. And that she was like, okay, we're going to get through this. We're going to help you. I don't know much about this, but we're going to learn from you. So where do we go from here? Wow. That's really beautiful. Yeah. So I had the space to teach them. And then she told my dad that night and my dad was supportive from day dot. He just was like, yeah, this is what it is. We're going to help you get through this and we're going to seek professional advice and make sure we do this right. But ultimately, you're my child and I love you. So are you living with your dad at this time predominantly? Okay. Was there anyone in your life that couldn't accept this news? Yeah. So I've grown up in two homes with my mum and my stepdad and then my dad and my stepmom. Mm-hmm. So my stepmom and my dad were very supportive, but then my stepmom went to tell my mum and my mum just shut down. She was just so concerned for my well-being. She, like a lot of parents, she couldn't comprehend that her child was the one who had to go through this. Sure. Like it just, I don't think it crossed her mind that I was trans and then it's because representation for trans people was so poor and all we knew were negative experiences of trans people and being ostracized. It was Mm. like hearing that her child had cancer. She just didn't want to believe it. She just shut down. She's like, my child isn't trans. This is not happening. She just, out of fear, she just shut down. And then she just didn't want to comprehend, but I need to stress that that came from a place of love and fear for my well-being. It wasn't transphobia mm-hmm. or lack of support for me as a child. It was just she didn't want that to be my reality but as time went on and we made connections with great doctors she um she started to see that my life could be beautiful if I transitioned but it can only be so if I have her support so she really came around she's now one of my biggest supporters she huge massive supporter of not only where my career is going my transition and everything but I also want to spread that message to trans people that if you have a parent who is being difficult in accepting your journey, they can come around because there was a point where I never thought my mum would come around and I couldn't medically transition unless I got that signature from her. But I did. 
Do you know what I mean? So, mm. so give it time as well, I guess, is what you're saying. Absolutely. And understand that parents have that concern for your well-being. And sometimes parents just don't want to accept a reality for you that might not be the happiest it can be. I mean, I can imagine when you have told your truth and you're ready to to be you, the realist version of you, there's a lot of steps to get there, right? Yeah. Like you said, psychologists, doctors, um, whether you do hormones, whether you do medical intervention and things like that. Can you tell us the stages? Because I think, you know, if people see you online now, that didn't just happen overnight. Um, Can you tell us how that was? Absolutely. So there's kind of like a transition blueprint in terms of medical transition. There's the stages that you go through to medically transition and whether the individual wants to undertake all of those steps is entirely up to them and doesn't take away from their trans identity. But I'm someone who wanted to take all of the steps. And if there was someone who didn't, that doesn't mean they're any less trans. But for me, the process is going on testosterone blockers, which prevent male puberty and male changes because it stops the production of testosterone which is the male hormone and causes you to be really tall your voice to break to get an adam's apple high muscle mass masculine bone structure facial hair etc so that for me just was so important just knowing that i didn't have to become a man Mm. and just knowing that i didn't have to watch my body develop in a way that didn't match my mentality was just a magical experience. You kind of like just got in there, right? Because 12 is kind of where puberty starts to happen. Absolutely. And that created a lot of turmoil with my mum because you can imagine my body was a ticking time bomb. I knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to do it ASAP. Mm. I wanted to get on blockers and not change and not let my body develop, but she was still not for it. So that created a lot of resentment through my teen years, which we've worked through and I've come to understand her point of view. And we didn't have the best relationship for a long time because I just, you know, when I would look in the mirror and be insecure about certain features, I just think, oh, my mom did this to me. Like, now I realize where it came from. It came from a place of concern for my well-being. Can I ask you then, you get on the blockers, you start estrogen. What's the legal age for that in the country? Estrogen is now, at least in Melbourne, because it's different state by state, but in Melbourne, the legal age is when your doctor thinks it's right. Which could be like five? No, 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 no. Something I need to stress is that estrogen and testosterone blockers are something that happen at puberty. 
Okay. Because there is no need to put a five-year-old on any hormones. No doctor would ever do that. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge misconception that children are going on hormones because they're not going through puberty. Because children prepubescent are identical to each other, male and female, of course, apart from their primary sex characteristics being genitalia, of course, are different. But in terms of masculine and female secondary sex characteristics, they all start at puberty. So there's no reason to, like in a in a child boy, there's no testosterone to block until they're like around 11, 12, 13. So say there was a 10-year-old or no, say that, yeah, say there was someone that knew they were trans and at 10 they were starting to think about this. Yes. Their their doctor is then in charge at when that process will begin if exactly. they have the, I guess, support of the parents, correct? Yes. Your parents have to sign that off. Yes. And the way that that works is there's doctors who are there to examine you and there are blood tests and physical examinations to determine where you are hormonally. Mm-hmm. So there could be 10-year-olds who have no testosterone because puberty starts when testosterone kicks in, if it's mm-hmm. males we're talking about. So I have a friend actually who her testosterone didn't start to kick in until she was like 13. So she didn't start blockers until then. But I have other friends who it started to kick in at 10. So then they started the blockers at 10. So it's about preventing the male puberty. But the good thing about blockers is they're completely reversible. They're designed that if the child says, I want to be a boy, they can come off testosterone blockers and then male puberty actually catches up really quickly. That is, that's a good thing to know, I guess, because yes. there would be the the parents that are listening going, okay, I have a trans child, but I'm nervous. Absolutely. That things are irreversible. Yes, absolutely. So to advise you time, essentially, if parents are unsure, kids unsure, like there's uncertainty, advise you time because A, your child doesn't have to go through male puberty or female puberty, depending if you're female to male, male to female. And then they don't have to watch their body go through irreversible changes and then potentially become suicidal because dealing with that is horrible and the suicide rates are astronomical in trans adolescents. But then it gives you time to really think about whether cross-sex hormones are the right thing to do. So in my case, when I transitioned, my doctor's agreed that 15 was the right age but at that time I had to get court's approval as well as parents approval as well as approval of my pediatrician and two psychiatrists that's a lot of work yeah so I can imagine you being 12 and like getting the green light and just wanting it to happen overnight right but it is a process and like you said the Length in which you go, you know, you may never take a blocker or you might go to reassignment surgery and it doesn't make you more or less trans. But did you always know that you would have an operation? Did you always, or was it like, yes, absolutely. Okay. You were just like, I need this. Absolutely. And I do want to preface that 
getting the surgery is even more is even more of a process and you have to be you can't get the surgery unless you have been on hormone replacement therapy which is testosterone blockers and estrogen for I think it's a year and is there a legal age for that to happen like do you have to be over 18 18. okay 18 yes in Australia did you know that is what you wanted to do earlier than 18 absolutely and how much is that operation I believe at the time 15,000 but um it really depends where you go for me, it was 15000 but I believe it's going up. Did you save for that or did you have support from your parents? So to- I was so lucky. I was so lucky to have support from my parents who actually paid for that. And that is such a rare thing in the trans community. Mm. I'm just so thankful because I spent so much time worrying about whether I could get it. And I know that a lot of people do as well. And I think it's, it's the surgery is, it's not seen as medical. It's seen as cosmetic. So wow. it's not, it's not covered. Wow. It's not covered. So if you are trans and you are literally, your dysphoria around your genitalia is so bad if it's so bad and then you have to live with that and potentially be suicidal and Mm. that's I'm not saying that to be dramatic that's just the reality then I think that's putting people at risk and if I'm completely honest I've watched so many people suffer either because they couldn't afford it Mm. or because the wait lists are just so long when you think about it having the wrong genitalia especially as an adult is a huge issue not only is there discomfort in your own body, like you can't even wear, this might sound silly, but I don't think it's silly at all. You can't wear certain clothes. You can't live. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and be uncomfortable. You have to witness something every day, even relationships. Like people don't feel comfortable enough to get into relationships or even just enjoy their body. And I don't think that's cosmetic. I just think that's life. I agree. I am trying to put myself in that position and I cannot fathom how difficult it would be to have something that feels like it doesn't belong to me. And I think you've just really nailed that on the head with that explanation. And I could see that there would also be some really risky ways for people to get drugs to get blockers oh, yeah. on the black market to potentially take uh, maybe go, I mean, not right now with lockdowns, but go overseas and have cheaper surgeries or think do things that are less safe because of desperation. Mm-hmm. We did have a woman, I think she was on our first or second season, that was the parent of a trans woman, trans girl at the time, and she told us that she had a very awkward situation where they were starting blockers or doing something and she had to say to her daughter, let's collect some sperm because one day, you might not be thinking this now, but one day you might want to have your own biological child. 
and had to go with her to the clinic and, and do that. She said it was really uncomfortable for both of us, but I didn't want her to not have that opportunity or option. Did that cross your mind or have you done the same thing? Yeah, so that is an option that the doctors at the Royal Children's Hospital actually provide you. And it's just a way of having that assurance that, you know, you can potentially be fertile in the future Mm. because surgery and cross-sex hormones do make you infertile. So there are multiple ways around it. You can go and you can, I guess, for lack of a better word, manually harvest sperm. Mm -hmm. Or if the child is prepubescent or if the person is really uncomfortable, there there is actually a biopsy procedure where they go in and they take a bit of testicle tissue and then they can use that to grow sperm if someone is too dysphoric. That's incredible. It's incredible. And I knew that I'm, I'm a straight woman. So that means I'm attracted to men and I've always known and I've always stood by this decision that if I was to have a child, I would either want to adopt or have my husband be the biological father. Mm -hmm. And if I was to use my sperm, for example, I'd be the biological father and that's just not something I would want. Yeah, so that's a very personal decision when it comes to Yes, depending on the person. I didn't feel, I personally didn't feel the need. Okay. And I stand by that decision. This operation is no joke. Like it is a big deal. Yes. It is, I'm assuming, painful. It's a commitment because there's the use of dilators. You've had a revision. So I think it's really important to share with everyone that it's you, it's not a day surgery where you just pop in and out and then it's all done, like Bob's your uncle. Um, you even mentioned in one of your Instagram reels and TikToks that it's not an open wound, and I loved your description of this. Can we talk a bit about the surgery, the recovery, the revision, the dilators, all of it? I would love to. So shall we begin with post-op what you're dealing with my experience was horrible I hate blood I hate mess I I just I don't do well with anything gory so I was watching YouTube videos and I had friends who had the surgery they woke up looked at their vagina and was just so happy over the moon and ever since then life was a bliss For me, I was happy until I saw it, freaked out, had an anxiety attack and was in a constant stage of anxiety, honestly, for three weeks. And that was so traumatic because even though I didn't have physical pain, the mental pain was awful. Was this, sorry, because of how it looked, do you mean? Like you were were really triggered at what you were seeing? It's not even that. It's the fact that I had, I guess, although my vagina isn't an open wound but at the time it was healing and I had wounds and I was like just because medical and 
blood and surgery makes me queasy. I was like, had this thing in between my legs that was like this surgical thing. I'm like, am I going to die? Am I going to bleed out? Am I, Mm. because I'm not happy. Does this mean that I'm not trans? If every other trans girl's so happy and I'm sitting here freaking out, like just this mental spiral of like chaos in my mind. And you are, you aren't allowed to drive for a month. I wasn't allowed to go back to work for like 11 weeks. I wasn't allowed to go back to ballet for like three months. So really I'm just sitting here in my own thoughts and it was a horrible time. And of course now I know in my heart of hearts that it was the right thing to do. But at the time, so many things cross your mind because you expect to be like all the other girls and I wasn't. Do you, like, how do you care for it at the start? Like, do, do you have to start using the dilator early? Yes, you do. So when you're if, already just in pain? Yeah. So with the surgery, I actually didn't have a lot of pain. It was a three at most. And when I got home, it was just sustaining it on Panadol because wow. they put you on a lot of painkillers in the hospital. It's like five days of just laying down. You're not allowed to sit up. You're not allowed to get out of bed. Just so you don't mess anything up and then you have a catheter in you which then has to change to a flip flow which is this device where they cut the cord of the catheter and put like a flip switch on the end to train yourself to go to the toilet wow yeah so then at five days after that's when they do the flip flow and then they take the packing out and you have to start dilating three times a day. So you're sitting there when you wake up with packing in your vagina to keep the shape while it's healing. But then you have to start dilating at five days post-op. And Oh my gosh. It was just horrendous. And then they pull the packing out and then they pull the catheter out, which hurt. And then they pull the wheat that the, there was like a blood drainage. They took it all out. And so then going home, I just felt, I didn't felt complete. I felt broken. Mm. And not even as a woman, just as a person. I was like, oh my God, like I'm in a shambles and I'm not happy about it. Does this mean I'm not trans? Like just all these things going through my head. And obviously I am. And it was just my anxiety getting the better of me. But so many things go through your mind and there was so much pressure on how I should be feeling. Do you know what I mean? I was like, why am I not ecstatic and over the moon? Why do I have anxiety? Why am I wishing that I'd never done this? It's such a tender area to begin with. I'm wondering though, because everyone's going to want to know this, right? So I'm going to ask it and you can tell me if you're uncomfortable with it. Yes. But when you talk to the surgeon about your vagina Mm -hmm. and you're like, this is what I want, do you get options of what it looks like? Like with boot, like breast implants, you can do this size, this size. Your vagina is going to be like this or this, big or small, fat or skinny, any of that? There was no conversation really about that because – I didn't even express that. They just gave me what was best for myself. So there's like a standard way they do the surgery. But although 
my friends and I had the same surgeon in the same way, all of our vaginas look different. Right. Just like all your legs look different and your feet look different. Exactly. Yeah. All of our boobs grew different. Like, so it's just, it's your vagina for you. Yeah. It's not like you get to pick and choose things. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. Um, Okay. So let's go back to the dilating. You're doing that. You have obviously have rules, right? Like um, we had a, a trans woman on the show who went through surgery and then she was a sex worker and had sex, you know, too early. Um, That's one of the rules, isn't it? You've got rules on how to treat your vagina post-op. Absolutely, yes. And and how long did it take for you to feel healed and okay? Honestly... A long, 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 long time. Like I felt healed after a year because that's when they say you are fully healed. So I felt, I felt okay after three months when there were no stitches and the bruising went down, but because the stitches are dissolvable. Mm. But then after six months, they say the majority of the swelling has gone down. And then they say after 12 months, there's no swelling left, but I always had trouble dilating and going up a size because I had urethral bulking. And what that is, is it's where the surgeon leaves too much urethral tissue in there rather than taking too much, because if they take too much, the whole urethra can die. And then that's a medical nightmare. So they leave more than you need. But for me, that created urethral bulking and a bulbous, blockage at the opening of the vagina which meaning it was very hard to stretch and it was very very tight so I struggled going up dilator sizes I really did so I was using a really really small dilator for like a good year before I even thought about going up a size because a lot of people I know they really want to be intimate and they really want to go up sizes straight away and I know people who just did it way too early, but I was like, no, not me, not today, not happening. I took it really, really slow. And then my revision surgery was to remove that bulking. And it's honestly changed it so much. It's so much better dilating. So with the second surgery, were you terrified it was going to be like the first one or were they like, it's going to be really simple, not as much recovery? Yes. Very much okay. that because they all they had to do was remove a bit of urethral tissue, stretch it out a bit, and then I'll go home the next day. So it wasn't this seven-day stay in the hospital and then can't drive and then all of that. It was just like, yeah, you'll go home and then be bed-bound for a few days and then you'll be right as rain. Are you happy now? Absolutely. Do you feel at one? I do. I really do. It's just like, I, I kind of, I just can't imagine what it, almost like a relief, you know, to, to have, I guess, like that final thing for you. When was that last surgery? About a month ago. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. 
<laughs> you made it. That's amazing. I didn't know it was so recent. Yeah, it was very recent. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, so other things that I've seen on the Reels or the TikTok are you talking about your boobs being real and estrogen and other girls wanting to take estrogen because they want bigger boobs. And do you also feel like you're carrying this responsibility to educate all the time? Because it seems like people are very misinformed. Absolutely. It just, it bothers me when I read comments that are so misinformed and then they have so many likes and then I remember, okay, not everyone's trans, not everyone gets it. And then then I think, okay, that's why people have this opinion because they don't know this. So I have this yeah. big saying that goes like transphobia stems from ignorance, ignorance stems from lack of knowledge and lack of knowledge stems from lack of education and representation. So I want to be the representation and the educator. And for everyone that is just hearing your voice but doesn't know what you look like, they can jump onto your Instagram. Is it just at Grace Highland? Yes. You are a complete bombshell. Like a oh my goodness, full on uh, glamazon. Like you are stunning. Thank you. You were saying something really interesting about trans passing privilege which I thought was really interesting yeah my interpretation of that is you walk down the street as a trans woman and people see a woman right you present incredibly feminine right there would be other trans women that don't present as I guess they show other traits or other characteristics masculine characteristics as well can you talk a bit about what you meant by that? So passing privilege refers to passability and passability is how well you pass as the gender or sex that you identify as. So if I have passing privilege, you're exactly right. I I walk down the street and no one bats an eyelid. They just, you know, I'm a woman. But then there are people who don't have passing privilege and people my people who are ignorant might think to themselves oh that's a man in a dress or oh that's a guy Mm -hmm. and that couldn't be further from the truth but that's what they think in their twisted mind so that opens up so much more hate transphobia and danger for those individuals because they just are living their authentic selves trying to be who they are And then everyone knows that they're trans. So then they cop a lot of stuff. And I have passed, we call it passing privilege is because I don't have to worry about that. 
I'm I'm so much safer than a lot of my trans counterparts. And so there are now conversations being had where people believe that trans women shouldn't aim to pass. We should aim to make it that if you don't pass, then people accept you regardless. And I think that's beautiful. But then I also think too that trans women aren't trying to pass they're trying to get rid of their dysphoria. Mm. And so if getting dis- if getting rid of your dysphoria has made you pass, then great, beautiful. But there are some trans women who are perfectly happy in their bodies even though they don't pass, and that's fine. And I think that it's not their responsibility to change themselves so people are nice to them. Mm. I feel like people need we to- need to change yes yes i agree i don't know if you saw this video it was horrific maybe six months ago of three trans women totally i would say have passing privilege right but were horrifically filmed and attacked in la did you do you know what i'm talking about they were quite yeah, that's famous. my friend that's my friend eden Yes, she, her and her friend Jasmine were attacked, and she posted it on her stories and made a huge commotion, rightfully so. But then nothing was done. It was the most shocking, sad thing I've seen on the internet. It was terrifying, and it and... was heartbreaking for me because oh. I grew up as a fan of Eden. I would watch her on YouTube in high school being like, wow, she's so strong, all that she's going through, she's living authentically. That's who I want to be. And now that I'm on social media, we follow each other, we DM every now and then. And so when that happened to her, I grew up all these years, like with her as a positive representation as she was a hero to me Mm. and then now being somewhat friends with her and then seeing that happen to her was heartbreaking. Do you think that, because this is what's really confusing for me, was it her fame that got her recognised or, like, I, I don't know how, I guess this is my ignorance, I just don't get how they were targeted from my understanding there, and I don't know the whole truth, but from my understanding, there was a group of men who were very attracted to them, those trans women. And then there was someone there who knew them from social media, told them that they were trans. And then right. of course the men were attracted to them. Then they got so insecure. And then they're like, they then they lash out at the trans girls. Okay. And that's a big thing that happens in the trans community. When men are attracted to a trans woman and to a trans woman and don't know that they're trans, then they find out they're trans. It's an attack on their own ego and their own sense of self. So they ask themselves questions. They're like, does this mean I'm gay? I've been tricked, da-da-da-da-da. So then they go and attack the trans woman. Because this is where I wanted to go with this. Was... That's why so many trans women end up murdered. Yeah, so there's a lot here that I need to unpack. The first one is the hate crimes and the suicide um, statistics, which are, I think, the highest out of any demographic in the world. Is that correct? I'm not super familiar with how it compares to other demographics, but I know it's very high. 
within the youth, I think it's potentially the highest. I have to check, wow. cross check this as in suicide attempts. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it makes perfect sense having this conversation why children and youth would feel so hopeless. Um, and this is the conversation I want to be having today with you is if there are parents or peers or family members or even friends that know of somebody that is trans and they may not even have said it aloud, you know, they might not be there yet. I think it would be incredible to hear from you what could be the most help, which could potentially save a life. It's a tricky one. It really is because we're dealing with both internal struggle, which leads to suicide, but we're also dealing with external turmoil that's both leading to crime and suicide. So it's a big cycle. And I think what it comes down to is education. I really think that that's what it all boils down to. I think there needs to be a shift in how we talk about these things. I think that allies need to listen. And a lot of people think that it's so funny to see a trans woman and then disclose her trans identity to others, but that can lead to crimes as well. So it's not a joke. It's not something to be taken lightly. It just makes me really sad, you know, that people are harmed or harming themselves because of who they are. I just, I just think it's the saddest thing. I really do. I want to talk more about men, but in the way of dating. Okay. Um, Because boys are fun most of the time. You identify as a straight woman. Yes. Are you currently dating? I am. I have a wonderful boyfriend who is just a blessing in my life, who accepts me for who I am and has really helped me in my journey. And I couldn't be more thankful to have him in my life. Does he identify as straight? Yes. And I think this is really interesting, right? Because people people are going to need to understand this. A trans woman is a woman. A straight man, a trans man can have a relationship with a trans woman and still be straight. Absolutely. Can you just define that for people? Because I feel like they think if you were born with one set of genitalia and then even if you still keep it, but then you acknowledge that you're a straight, trans woman you still are regardless of your genitalia correct yes of course okay so it really depends what the man himself is attracted to in that trans woman and what he identifies as and a man can really love a trans woman who is pre-op and although he might not be attracted to her genitalia that is male he still loves her and is still attracted to her as a whole individual and is still a straight man. And it's a very grey area, but as my partner says to me, 
He forgets that I'm trans. It's not a thing. Yeah, you're just a woman. Unless we're talking about it. It's just a thing. And he thinks that a lot of men who do think differently, they just think because it's an attack on their ego. And he's someone who's very secure in his masculinity that he doesn't feel as though being with a trans woman makes him any less of a man. Yes. When you met him, did he know who you were from your socials? No. So when you met him or when you've dated other people, because you've used the word tricking before here, which you never are, but at which point do you feel like you have to say something before they feel tricked if they do feel tricked, if that makes sense? The second something becomes romantic, so say if I was meeting someone on a dating app, it's instantly romantic in feel. So I tell them instantly, that's just my comfortability. That's how I like to do it. So I just do it as soon as possible. Does your profile say I'm a woman, straight woman? Yes. But then say, for example, if I was using a dating app, if I matched with someone, I'd say something probably along the lines of, hi, I hope you're having a wonderful day. I just wanted to let you know that I'm a post-op trans woman. I think that's only fair. Um, I'd love to continue talking if you do as well or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, that usually gets good responses. So, Yeah, because you have a whole, this is really awesome as well, you have a lot of great content you're going to have to everyone out there scroll through, but there's a great one on your Bumble experience. Um, is it Bumble or it's dating app experiences? It was really I use funny. Bumble. Yeah, it was really funny. It's clever. It's insightful. Um, it's educational, like everything that you do. But I think that the interesting element and the shitty kind of element is that you have to bring that up so quickly, you know, because you are who you are, right? You're a woman. Yeah. But at the same time, there's this whole viewpoint of society that you have to make that transparent, even if you weren't so comfortable doing that, you know, like that's kind of a shitty thing that you've got to kind of put everything out there maybe before you're ready too. That's right. But I actually see it as a great filter. So I only have time for men who it's not a thing if that makes sense so I don't actually have an issue telling it straight off the bat because for me it acts as a great filter so when with this boyfriend your current boyfriend did you feel like you had to say something was it when you felt like it was going romantic instantly yeah okay and was his was he surprised He was surprised and he had a lot of questions, which I was happy to answer, but ultimately supportive. Yeah. Do you also feel though, like 2021, obviously your journey has been over a decade to get here, but do you feel like there is slightly more representation and have you noticed minds being more open now Absolutely. Because I I watched Euphoria and I was just watching it and I just felt like, and I just loved that they used 
a real trans woman too. Yes. Because we know that that is often not the case. Um, when we've seen like Hilary Swank and Boys Don't Cry and things like that over the years, I just thought it was such a beautiful representation. And I felt like I was quite proud that my children are going to be brought up with a level of this representation in their worlds. But I want my children to know that they can be and express and do whatever they feel the need in that that moment and that that can also change. But do you feel now, like if you were going to become a parent, do you feel like the world is changing to be somewhat more accepting and livable for people that are trans? Absolutely. I think that there's just more conversation. It's more known. We have more figures there. And I feel like by the time I'm ready to have kids, if that's what I want to do, there will be even more. Mm. So I just think that's also true. The way of the world is that we've seen historically that every generation, there just seems to be that bit more acceptance. And I'm Mm. hoping I'm seeing that it's really been revved up in the last decade because of social media. We have so much trans representation in public figures who are celebrated. I remembered a really positive example was a trans woman called Nikki DeJaga. She's also known as Nikki Tutorials on YouTube. And she built this empire being a makeup YouTuber, a beauty YouTuber with over, I think it was 14 million followers. And she was just at celebrity status. Mm. And then no one knew she was trans. And then she told the world, all this time I've been a trans woman. And that to me has just shown such a huge example to people of what trans women really are. Mm. You're very popular. You're a model. You're an actor, a presenter. You're all of the things. What do you want to do? Like where's your, you said when you were an, you know, an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old, you didn't have passion or dreams. What is your dream now? What's the goal? I think short answer, the goal is just to be happy. I love to detach myself from an ultimate plan because in my life that's never worked. But to answer your question more traditionally, I would love to see myself continuing down this path of spreading awareness. And I think what comes to mind right now and this could change, is I'd love, I love to act. And I would love to play a trans character on a trans, t- on not a trans, t- on just a TV show. Yeah. yeah. Where they are trans and it's not an integral part of their storyline, but just to provide some awareness, mm. I think that would be a really fun thing to do. Well, if anyone is going to break Hollywood, honey, it's you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That is so sweet. Oh my goodness. My head's going to get too big. You're talking me up. Um, Our final question for everybody that is a guest on the deep is this. Who are you when no one's watching? Oh, I'm, hmm. I would say 
I'm very carefree. I'm no makeup, walking in the nature reserves, playing my video games on my Nintendo Switch. I'm very, I'm just very laid back. And I think that my social media does portray a certain persona of very glamorous, um, very put together and eloquent. But when no one's watching, I am just very, I'm just like everyone else, I guess. Thank you so much for sharing your life with us, your experiences and your work. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been just so amazing to share my story in this medium. And I feel like we've achieved a lot here and we're going to spread a lot of awareness. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.